It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767, 1-888-458-6926, or you can text short code to 35270. Jordan George is sitting on 49, and his is still alive. The 0-1 pitch, and George make it 50. 50 consecutive games on base. This one is a base hit that drives in a run. Boscan scores, and it's 2-0 Red Hawks. Why you always in the mood? Set by Trevieso to pitch. Silviano punches the ball out to deep left center field. This ball's got some long John Silviano power behind it, and it's gone. Crack it down, Marge. Long John Silviano muscles one out to left center. How about that? Seven to nothing, Fargo Morehead. It's not all you want from me. I just want your company. Girls, obvious elephant in the room. Carson had an old foot injury, probably a high school injury that was a broken foot sometime in high school that he did not know was broken. And then what happened the other day was in the course of practice, over time, whatever the years, something happens, just the right pressure at the right time, the right movement, all of a sudden that little broken bone that was in there that was lodged in it comes loose. That's loose. It causes, as everybody knows, a lot of pain. It's a bitter one to swallow. Obviously, we never want to lose to, to Canada. I don't think I've ever lost to Canada. So it's a bitter one. And obviously, you know, still a lot to compete for. That's what I told the girls. And, you know, we talked about in the huddle. It's not the color we want, but uh, there's still metal on the line. So that's a that's a huge thing. And we want to win that game. But, yeah, this is, oof, this sucks. I'm talking sneak back, big back, gangs have been bodies. You know, going through all the things that you had to do last year, masks and you know, protocol and travel, and you can't leave for a day, you can't go out see your family, you, you know, all the things. Um, you can't go to dinner when you're on the road. you got to wear masks on a plane, all that stuff that uh, was just difficult. And uh, I just don't understand. I just don't understand that I think we could put this thing to bed if we'd all do this, but it is what it is. Schuster gives away a left side. He's in. Touchdown, North Dakota. Wait a little to seize us. Tack on 6 4. He's in the mood. Around like a brand new. I ain't trying to tell you what to do, but try to play cool. When you look at Minnesota, they have uh, one of the most experienced uh, and veteran teams there is in the country. So it's going to be a, a major challenge for us going on the road. We haven't played in front of fans in a long time. So it is it is a huge challenge. So that's why this preseason is going to be a really hard preseason for us. We asked the two best doctors in the world, what's the time frame? And here's the answer. The answer is the time frame is 5 to 12 weeks. That's the time frame for this injury. That's a big range, okay? And there's no way to know where you're going to fall in that continuum until you get into the rehab process. Obviously, we're optimistic and hopeful that we can be on the front end, somewhere towards the front end of that. But the reality is you can be anywhere in that spectrum. Three and two, the count with one out to Prime here in the eighth. And Prime turns on the ball. See you, Marge. Get your shoes on. It is gone. Crack it, pound Marge. Prime got all of that book. What time is it? Prime time. Nine, five, Fargo Morehead. Well, you could be blowing up, Jack. I'm show you love. I will never let a shorty go and set me up. Only thing I need to know is if you it is a Tuesday. I almost said Wednesday, Derek. It is a Tuesday edition. I'm all messed up on the week, too. I, I, Crazy. Yeah, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's August 3rd. It's Tuesday, uh, and, and we're rolling through it today. Good to have you on board on the uh, the Jack Michael Show. I'm Jack. That's Derek. And uh, big win last night. You heard some cuts at, at Newman Outdoor Field. We'll get to that because there was a, a franchise record set last night by uh, by one of the Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks players. Dick Bramer will join us today. Today is also, think about this. If your hometown team, and in this case, home city team, hasn't played at home for nearly two years, oh, man. and they've been part of your the fabric of your city and your community uh, for over well over a quarter of a century and hasn't played at home for almost two years, what's that feeling like when they finally do? Well, that's going to happen tonight. 
And, of course, we're talking about Winnipeg, a, a beautiful city. Love Winnipeg. Uh, friends in Winnipeg. They are getting their team back to Shaw Park. And and I can only imagine the groundswell and what is going to be the scene tonight at Shaw Park where the Assiniboine and the Red, you know, uh, converge. And, and you've got the beautiful ballpark there in downtown. It, it is uh, – I can only imagine – that's why today we're going to call out to Steve Schuster and he's going to give us a little insight on, on what the buzz is there in Winnipeg, two years. You know the red. You know pro baseball of the like we have it. We didn't have it for three and a half decades in the Fargo Moorhead West Fargo area. When you look at the FM Twins when that was done, and then went three and a half decades without baseball, and we all knew what 1996 meant and what that. You know, everybody knows the lines that were lined up. Of course, the team was at Jack Williams Stadium for the first uh, games there, and you saw that was line. quite a sight, right, Derek? You yeah. were the buzz. Come on, that was it. Now imagine. What's happening in Winnipeg tonight? So we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll we'll talk to Steve about that. We'll we'll take you to Manitoba coming up. We'll, as we mentioned, we'll chat with Dick Bremer today. I, I want to ask this because in football and in pro football and even even in, at the collegiate level, because this is going on. You know, media day has has come and gone for the Missouri Valley from the coaches' standpoint. Guys will be practicing now uh, towards the, the end of this week, and they'll be they'll be fighting. Some will have battles for 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 positions. You know, North Dakota State is having a a you know a three headed monster battle for the quarterback spot. This, that, and another thing. Now, normally you don't see. Um, because of the position quarterback, you know they're they're not involved in any scuffles and no. you know, with the other quarterbacks. Rarely, but Derek, you do see this various in other spots when 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 tempers flare a little bit on alignment versus you know a, a defensive line. You see that, and I'm I'm curious what the thoughts are on 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 the good, bad, indifferent. The story coming out of New York Giants' first day of padded practice. And the Vikings had padded practice fully for the first day yesterday. Same with the Giants. First day of padded practice for the New York Giants at training camp, and it ends abruptly um, today when Coach Joe Judge angrily addressed and punished his players. Here's what happened. Team-wide brawl and included starting quarterback Daniel Jones at the bottom of the pile. No. <laughs> yeah. no. Oh. Judge, who coaches the Giants, could be heard delivering an expletive-laden tirade. Now, when the report comes out, an expletive-laden tirade at his team after the scuffle, and here's how it started, D. Tight end Evan Ingram retaliated after a late hit to running back Corey Clement. After ordering the players to run 100-yard wind sprints and to do multiple rounds of push-ups, yes, they still do it, young people, oh, yeah. at the pro level, Judge then gave his fiery address and then ended practice. Jones said he wasn't injured during the fight and said the Giants needed to do a better job of controlling their emotions and excitement during the intense padded practice. Jones also said... And on Daniel Jones, again, there's your quarterback, bottom of the pile, said the players, quote, got the message from the coach, Joe Judge. Wow. And when asked why he got involved in a brawl, uh, Daniel Jones responded that he is, quote, part of the team. So I ask you, uh, where's the line if you are a head coach in the National Football League or even a collegiate head coach, or you know what, Derek, maybe even a head coach of Barnesville, you know, head coach of a high school team, when you're now in the process of building that toughness and camaraderie and fighting for open positions, this is football. This isn't, you know, tiddlywinks. This is football. Uh, Craig Bolt always said football is played by, by men, right, not boys. Eric Craig used to say that. This is football. But where's the line where intensity and iron sharpening iron meets practice is canceled? You all go home. It's a it's a fine line, isn't it, Derek? Um, well, I think each coach knows his team is pretty well. I mean, you mentioned my hometown. Trust me, everyone knows who's boss, and there's not much. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason he's going to go down as the greatest that right. we've ever had. Right. I mean, there's this, and, and so you kind of know. I mean, and to find that fine line this day and age, I don't care what level it is of coaching. Yeah, of having the respect, but yet still, you know, not. Uh, 
you you want to be close with the players so they trust you. I mean, what I always said when I know there's a good coach is when when I would substitute teach and kids would come back at Christmas break from college to come see their old coach. Yeah. You, you mean they yeah. walk in the high school? You can tell that there there's yeah. been a bond that has been right. formed there. Yeah. Um, I think when Troy Aikman was emotional when that big guy comes in and announces that Jimmy Johnson's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. There's what, a bond there. There's you know there's something there, right? And 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 so I think. That's what he's trying to establish here is you got to know who's boss. You can always be a player's coach, but you got to let them know who the boss is too because people will take advantage of it if you don't. And so there's no doubt that's what he's doing. You so. see what happens. So, so obviously they're in a padded practice. Uh, Clement, probably a run play and and a late hit by one of your own teammates, but obviously he's playing defense and say, and the tight end who's blocking for Clement takes offense to it. And starts a brawl. Well, yeah. And there's a dog pile. So now Joe Judge just loses it, as maybe he should. How, have you ever had coaches, because in football, I don't know if this still goes on. I don't even know if it's right or wrong. But I grew up with, and it wasn't uncommon for a coach to grab your face mask, huh. right? And, and you know what I'm getting at. And <laughs> yeah. Just, Smack you, you on the head. head. And just slap you across the head. And My JV trigger. coach hit me on the side of the head. <laughs> right, so it right. almost knocked me silly. Right. And you know what? Got your attention. Oh, for sure. Got your attention. You you know, it's, it's interesting because he was really tough on me. And I think about him a lot. And I haven't seen him in years. He was really tough on me. And the reason he was is I could really get passive aggressive. Oh. And, and I think about that. I'm and getting, he I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting kind of deep here, but... And it's really helped me in my life, and I'll, I'll be quite frank and open. When I got into this, which can really be a tough emotional strain, especially in my younger career, as mm-hmm. you know, and working with a you, know, you want to talk about a football type of rah rah guy. I mean, when you were you get out of college, you start working for Ed Schultz right away. Right, right I mean, it right, is. Right. I mean, you are fire and brimstone, you, you to, Vince you, Lombardi type you of stuff. Jumped right into that fire. Yeah, yes. and. And as much as I get beaten down, I I learned from my high school football coach in the sense I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna do that crap I did when I was a teenager and get passive aggressive and just quit. You're gonna stay with. And this. I mean, how many times have I picked myself up and and, yes. and off the ground in this business to do it and getting to the point where I want to be today, even though you know it's it, it can be a grind mentally still. That's right. And, and, and now I think about. You know, I got frustrated with my varsity coach sometimes, and I would get that way. I got frustrated with my JV coach who was just – but what he was always doing is he's like, you can be better than this. Yeah. And I, I forget that. And, and I think about how he would get mad at me and chew my butt. Yeah. And he was right. This, and I was wrong. Yes. Yeah, talk to me. I mean, and, and I, was, that, yes. I, I was being passive-aggressive and a baby and – to be quite frank, a wuss at many times. Right. And he was right. And I learned from that in my adult life. And that's what it's all about. For people to say, oh, they, they, there's too much emphasis on high school sports and all that. And maybe sometimes there is. Yeah, but, but it's those lessons that made me better in my adult life I, when I was a teenager who thought it. I knew it. You knew nailed it. 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 And I, I think sports teaches that. That's yeah. why I was, sports teaches you so many things in life. And, and you just explained how. Whereas if you haven't gone through that, or you know, I say sports, you know, maybe maybe you were without maybe all the aggressiveness, but maybe you were fighting for first chair in, in music class and had to, you know, whatever your angle is, but part of something where you're accountable, sure, and you had somebody that saw something more in you than you saw in yourself, and various ways to bring that out. All of that apply. You yep. can apply. Yes, you nailed it. Yeah, those co-curricular activities, a band all and choir, or whether it be. You know, I think about, uh, you know, I talk to my little cousins quite a bit. My godson, you know, he was very different than his younger brother, the big athlete, but he right. was very good in drama and wanted that lead role in the the school musical, that type of stuff. I mean, it's all the same type of stuff. I, to, the Gi- to the Giants, Derek, and, and granted, now this sounded like it went too far today and they can't, they just shut her down. All right. Uh, but uh, what did Rocky Hager always say? Easier to say, uh, woe than giddy up. One of those things. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great saying that Rocky used to have, and he's right. Uh, but it, it sounds like there's some passion, and I'd rather have passion than not. Now, not to the degree maybe where it well, is. Well, you don't a, want to dysfunctional you know, locker room, either, right? You right. don't want to. You don't want to divide a clubhouse, certainly. And 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 so, yeah, this is obviously a story. I do think this is done. the risk of not having some of the first preseason games up until you know a couple of weeks because you you start, you know, I remember that first week of you know. Full pads, yeah. 
It's uh, on. You, you are sick of each oh, other by the, the end t- of that week. How about I mean, the two dummies where you just guy with ball coming yeah. at you? You have the, all the drills in football, the toughness. All drills the Oklahoma and, drills. We uh, call. We had one the meat grinder. You know. Oh, I mean, there is. Yeah. There is a. In fact, <laughs> I think got, I, yeah. I, that would be a great text just, topic here. That, here it is. You nailed it. Thirty-five two seventy three five two seven zero. By the way, these are painful memories. But text in. What they made us do. That's I'm just going to label that. What they made us do, and maybe you know for toughness drills in in football, or even if it's a a, a never ending shuttlecock drill or whatever. Remember when you used to take the blocks and set them here and then go over? I forget the names of some of these. Some are called like crushers. Some are called like that. But maybe we'll just label that today. What we had to do, or what I had to do. I remember in seventh grade we had to. Yeah, uh, one of the workouts was county fair, so you do like log rolls in one set. You know, and they would blow the whistle and you rotate and that type of thing. And county you know, fair. burpees on one and oh yeah, so you get to go on all the rides, right? So oh yes. yeah, I that was a I... seventh grade football. That was a wake up to oh my heavens, Three, are you kidding me? Five two seven zero. Oh. I wonder if we didn't have to push with our nose, like you know, on the ground in a bear crawl kind of. I mean, just these weird. The same JV coach. If you get mad at us, yeah. We'd have to go run in circles with our holding our hands up in the air, and 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 keep them up. It it felt like have you God himself was trying to <laughs> push down like on your, you. This is your penance. Oh <laughs> my heavens! And I, I th- so I think about that when you were, I cannot stand watching movies about torture because like my, my because it takes you back to some well, mild I, form. I, I, I don't like the idea of being like strapped to a chair and yeah. my nose itches or something like that. I mean, those things keep me awake. You at know night. what? You know what? That to think of that people would be stuck like that. Have you ever? Um, and now you're talking some football stuff, and I was too. But I remember in basketball, uh, growing up, and and all these were designed to kind of obviously get you in some sort of shape or have endurance kind of thing. That's the idea where you it's like this wall right here to my left, where you'd have to sit like in a chair, like not in a chair physically, but in a chair like stance with no chair. Oh. And hold that for an inordinate amount of time, and the burn you felt. Yeah, that can't be good for you. And then, of course, if you drop, boom, hit, now run. Oh. You know, there was always this, this, this physical yeah. exercise that had some, to reinforce. Some, yeah, some yeah. high school coaches, I think they almost oh. thought, they'd have been good at those. You know, like the torture racks and Braveheart and I stuff. Th- you know. <laughs> I think freedom. Are you enjoying watching me suffer? Yeah. Is that your deal, Denny? I told uh, my one of my legion uh, coaches, movies. one of my legion coaches, who going back to your story about how I look back now and say thank you. Um, I big Denny Healy, my my legion baseball coach. He's got sons. D- Dennis Patrick is a teacher here in the area. Uh, but Denny, my uh, Legion coach, <clears throat> would uh, would take us out to the left field wall, baseball now, and he would stand, I don't know, 20 feet away maybe, and he'd hit rockets. <laughs> rockets. And, oh, you know, we were taking balls off the chest, off the knee, you're trying to <laughs> knock it down, and we'd do this every day, uh, learning to get going. And you know what, Derek? When it came game time when we started playing, you're ready. We stayed down on baseballs, and it was unbelievable. Uh, uh, quick timeout. Dick Brammer coming up around the corner. Three five two seven zero. The topic. Oh yeah. Well, I had to blank. <laughs> uh, we're back with more Jack Michael show with D on seven forty. The Fed. This is Paul Allen. You're listening to the Jack Michael show. Be sure to catch me weekdays from nine to noon right here on the region's number one sports station, 740 the fan and 740thefan.com. Well, each Tuesday we get a chance to chat with the television voice of the Minnesota D- uh, twins, Dick Bremer. Derek and I, Dick, uh, we're chatting. We'll get to Twins. They've got Cincinnati in, in a short interleague two-gamer here and part of a long road trip. But we were talking about uh, competition, Dick, in sport growing up and what maybe coaches made you do to toughen you up a little bit. So we were relaying some of our stories from youth, uh, Dick. This is in the wake of a of a brawl at the New York Giants uh, football training camp today. And uh, I don't know if you want to go down memory lane, Dick, and anything you want to do. I was saying about sitting on a wall for an extended period of time or getting hard balls hit at you at the, the fence to learn how to field a ball. Or, Derek, what was yours with your hands in the air running circles around the gym on that? Dick, I'm curious, anything that a that a coach or 
<clears throat> mentor made you do to, to, quote, toughen you up a little bit back in the day? Well, it wasn't the uh, the intent, but uh, when I was living in Missouri uh, in freshman PE class, we had mixed classes for PE, and I think like a lot of kids, there really was very little physical education. It was just, you know, here's some balls, go out and play, to, you know, <laughs> don't use any coarse language, and 45 minutes later, you're back in class. But we had, and this is in Fulton, Missouri, and I was a skinny freshman kid, and we we're playing dodgeball and in PE class. And, uh, I mean, I was just getting drilled. Right. And, and turns out one of the reasons I was getting drilled is one of the juniors that year was a, a guy by the name of who I knew he was a friend of mine. I'd played some baseball with him earlier. Uh, a guy by the name of Tony Galbraith who went on to be a, a running back in the NFL for yeah, I was sure years. Say. Yes. Yeah, sure. Tony Galbraith. So I, 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 I probably still have welts on my body someplace <laughs> from a guy who uh, had a great career in the NFL, but I had absolutely no business, no business being uh, in a dodgeball game with uh, Tony Galbraith. Oh, I, see, I love when we chat with Dick. We learn more things every time. Yeah, that's painful. I had no idea that you were that uh, grew up with him. That's amazing. So he, he well, was, yeah, he uh, was, uh, he and I were on a little league team together. And then he went on, of course, to have a great athletic career in this town in central Missouri. Uh, you know, had a really organized uh, little league uh, program, but no high school program. And I wrote about it in the book, but they, they uh, produced the national league rookie of the year in 1974 guy by the name of Arnold Bake McBride. So they had a great athletic history uh, there in Fulton, Missouri, but I wasn't able to, uh, to add to it. Fulton, Missouri. I just, uh, just looked up Tony Galbraith. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, folks, everything Dick told you is exactly true. What he just said. Well, and I believe this to be true. I'm not sure. I think he finished his career with the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, 80, 80, uh, let's see. I went to 93, uh, giants, 84 to 87. So okay. Sa- right. Saints. He was with the Vikings toward the end of his yep, career. You're right. You're running the money. Uh, University of Missouri Athletics Hall of Fame, 1995. Saints Hall of Fame, 1991. Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, wait, one more addition. Hit Dick Bremer with multiple dodgeballs. 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Man. I always thought because, you know, the Vikings uh, had the West Coast offense before it was called the West Coast offense. Uh, with a lot of you know passes to the running backs, going back to Bill Brown, but you know mainly Chuck Foreman. Well, Tony Galbraith was a tremendous receiver coming out of the backfield. He would have he would have fit in great with the Viking offense, uh, uh, you know, in the prime of his career. Yeah, it is. Uh, we switched to baseball. Good stuff, Dick. As always, Dick Bramer joining us today. Uh, Dick, uh, since we last spoke. Well, obviously, there's been a trade deadline that is uh, that has come in past the Twins make a move. Uh, some of the early reports in the players they got uh, out of the Toronto uh, deal with with uh, for Barrios uh, certainly look promising. Uh, pitcher, position player, and uh, and and now we move on. That wasn't the only one done, but uh, what was the scuttlebutt? What was the pulse around uh, your camp or your people, Dick, after the trade deadline? Well, the sense was, and this is, you know, reading the same stuff you've read and hearing the same stuff you've heard, is that the Twins did okay. Um, You know, Nelson Cruz was not going to be of any value to the Twins the rest of this year. So going back a couple weeks earlier when they traded him, that made a lot of sense. And they determined that Jose Barrios was going to fully test the market, and that may have priced him out of, uh, you know, the price range that the Twins felt comfortable with. So then, as I think we may have discussed last week, that would have left him this offseason uh, in the same predicament years ago that Johan Santana was in. One year left of, of team control, and then, you know, he probably would have gotten too expensive for the Twins. Well, I think something's changed in the game, uh, and, and, and probably uh, it's a smart way to think of it, uh, whatever value there would have been for Barrios in the off season probably is at least doubled when you can make a trade like this uh, in the middle of a season to a team that is contending because they they have some urgency right now. You know, if you make a trade like that in December or January, well, everybody kind of feels like we're in contention, but we might not. And so I think the asking price probably is a little bit higher and hotter 
uh, when you do what the Twins did and trade somebody within a division race like they did sending Barrios to Toronto. We'll have to wait and see. We don't know much about these guys other than the fact that you know they were top prospects, our top prospects. But even the ones that the Twins have had, uh, some of them pan out, some of them don't. So we'll see how it plays out. Simeon Woods Richardson, Derek, you and I were chatting about, is is the pitcher. Austin Martin, who is a standout at Vanderbilt, uh, was is the position player. Didn't strike out a lot in college and things of that nature. And, and Derek, I agree with Dick. I, a lot of times we have to wait and see how these things pan out. Yeah, and I, I guess the question is, you know, there are more reports. I don't know how, how accurate there were, but uh, that I'm, I think the Twins would have liked to sign Barrios, but it's just kind of sound like he and his agent want to test the free agent market after 2022. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, to me, the talks surrounding Byron Buxton uh, were coincidental. But it might be, and I don't know this, but it might be that the conclusion was reached within uh, you know, the offices of the baseball department. Look, these guys are going to hit the market at the same time. We hope we can afford one of them. We might not be able to afford both. So that might be a subplot to all of this, too, that Barrios, okay, the Twins... Uh, made a haul. They got some prospects back. They'll, especially on the pitching side, they're going to need that. But it might have, in directly or directly, uh, enhanced the Twins' chances of signing Byron Buxton to a long-term deal. And, and what well, I was a little surprised that, you know, that they went with ten million dollars a year. But I guess with it, if it's incentives, I get in on as far as protecting themselves. It's a really interesting thing. It's such an odd scenario for both sides because of his injury problems. Yeah, and I think that if a deal gets done, and I hope it does, because as we've discussed, I think the world of Byron, both as a player and a person, but if it gets done, it'll be a you know heavily incentive-laden uh, contract for games played. I mean, you can't you know you can't build in incentives for total bases or home runs or anything like that, but you can for games played. And, and, you know, awards like MVP and all that kind of stuff. So uh, my guess is as much as uh, the new CBA will allow it, if it's not done beforehand, uh, that the, if they get a deal done, it'll be heavily uh, protective of the Twins organization, but heavily rewarding to Byron if he can stay on the field. Dick Bramer joining us today, talking twins, and I'll say I don't want to be too vague on this because I was going to make the the, the comment: uh, does does a high payroll put you not guarantee you postseason, Dick, but really put you in a spot to do it? And I was I was looking at the 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 payroll tracker, Major League Baseball, and everybody can probably guess who the who the usual suspects are at the top: the Dodgers, number one, Yankees, two, Mets, three, Houston, four, and you go through it. And as you look at it, it, almost equates to those that are either uh, you know leading the division or certainly in place. Now you know Milwaukee in the Central. And I don't have Milwaukee's payroll in front. I have to go down the list a little bit, but it's not near the top anyway. But that's the question, Dick. Uh, high payroll. Do the rich that keep getting richer uh, continue to just year after year after year almost guarantee to get into the postseason, or can't you make that direct equation? Well, I think what happens if you really peel back a couple of layers of all of this, uh, you know, we saw what six years ago the Royals won the World Series uh, with one of the smallest payrolls in the game, and uh, I don't know what Toronto's payroll is, but they they uh, rebuilt with a lot of young guys and now have Barrios there who's still fairly young. Uh, I, I think what the high payroll does uh, it keeps teams from having to do what the Royals did, what the Blue Jays did, what the Reds are going through, uh, which is uh, hopefully contending after, you know, years of a nuclear winter, if you will, where you're, you know, you just, you know, you have a really low payroll and you've got guys you hope will develop. And the twins went through it back at around the turn of the century. Uh, you strip things down and then, well, what do you know? Christian Guzman can play. Doug Mankiewicz can play. Tory Hunter, so on and so forth. So I, I think what the what the uh, higher payroll allows you to do is, and it's a wonderful thing for your fan base. It, it allows you to maintain some competitiveness throughout 
uh, and in between the times when sure. you hope to contend. Sure. Toronto's 11, by the way. They're, I think the, the, the league average is one, 130 million. Toronto's at 151, sitting at number 11. The, the Twins are, are number 17 at 117. In the middle there, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood. I, I know there are no guarantees, Dick. You've called so many baseball games. You're around it. You get it. You understand all the fabric of it. So there are no guarantees in that, but it, it certainly seems those teams that, that throw those high payrolls out, they put themselves into positions, don't they? Well, you look where the, the, the players go, right, uh, once they hit free agency. And, uh, you know, Barrios may end up in Toronto signing a long-term deal. But, you know, the whole Blue Jay organization is the envy of just about everybody else in baseball. You've got an entire country as your fan base, <laughs> a tremendous TV contract. Uh, you know, they will, with the young talent they've got, well, now that they're back home, they'll sell a lot of tickets, uh, having not played there last year, most of this year. So Toronto's really in an enviable spot. But then the, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, all the teams you mentioned, uh, they have the luxury of, you know, uh, spending more money. And it, it's probably not going to happen. But, you know, it'd be wonderful if baseball had the, economic structure that the other major leagues have where there wouldn't wouldn't be that huge disparity yeah and back to a previous conversation you and i and derek had uh dick a, a few weeks ago about your baseball card collection how you probably have millions of dollars that were ruined in the spoke <laughs> you know back then you know we followed teams you had teams and now uh you know we kind of I, I see the younger people today they follow players you know it, it used to be teams right. dick and now now it's kind of players isn't it well, I, yeah, but I mean, in this region here, I think, uh, uh, okay, Barrios is now pitching for Toronto and we'll pay uh, attention to how he does there. But I, even though in the midst of a really disappointing season, you know, I think this region still is supportive of the Twins and what they're trying to do. I agree. And I suspect there's a lot of people out there who are like me, um, and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to anybody, but I'm a heck of a lot more interested in Trevor Larnick's at-bats than I am in Miguel Sano's at this point. I, I really, you know, because the hope is that Larnick, Gordon, some of the others are going to be part of the solution here as early as next year. I think we know what Miguel Sano is going to be. I'll be as thrilled as anybody when Byron Buxton comes back because he's just an exciting guy to watch. But I think there's, even in the midst of a disappointing year, uh, I think there's interest out there. I hope there is. Uh, and seeing some of these young guys, particularly the pitchers that we're going to see here in the last nine weeks of the season. Yeah, it's a very good point. Was there anyone that you're surprised that didn't get moved that you thought might have? I mean, I'll be quite frank. I'm surprised that Simmons is still here. Yeah, I, but you know he he's not much of an offensive player, and I, I thought that uh, uh, in the short term that the Mets would be interested because Lindor is going to be out. But, you know, then, you know, they get Baez and suddenly they've got that problem solved and Baez can slide over to second base when Lindor gets back. The guy I really was surprised uh, that uh, he did not get traded was Michael Pineda because he came back from his injury and, you know, pitched well for a couple of starts, uh, six innings in at least one of them. And uh, I thought for sure there'd be a contending team out there that would give up uh, something uh, of substance just to have him round out their rotation rather than somebody who started the year uh, at double A. And lo and behold, Pineda doesn't get traded. And Jay Happ, who had a terrible time getting anybody out in the last you know two and a half, three months of the year, he did get traded for a major <laughs> league veteran arm in John Gantt. So I, you know, just when you think you've got some things figured out, things like this happened and you realize, uh, I, I don't know anything at all about the game. <laughs> that was surprising. Mean, a lot of people like... Someone wanted Jay Happ. I, I did it. I actually, I was on the road. I did a double take on it. I just say Jay Happ was straight on instead of, <laughs> oh, he was. Okay. I'll be done. Hey, Dick, I've never asked you that. We, I don't think we have. Uh, do you enjoy interleague play? Do you, do you enjoy that, Dick? I, I uh, well, back in the days when we were traveling, it, it kind of broke up the travel schedule. We hope, by the way, to get back to traveling next year. But I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, it's worn, the novelty obviously has worn off. Uh, I think they could spice it up, frankly, and we've been advocating this for years when our twins are in Cincinnati. Uh, why not let the Reds fans witness in person 
games with the designated hitter, have play by the visiting team rules rather than the home team rules. And then conversely, when the Brewers come here, well, let's play by National League rules and give Twins fans a chance uh, to see in person how this all works with double switches and all that. I, I think they could do that to freshen it up a little bit. Um, but, you know, hey, I've been able to go see, you know, the Giants' new ballpark. I hope to see the Braves' new ballpark. Um, you know, uh, you know the, the Mets' new ballpark. Uh, I've, I've seen them all. So that part's fine. Uh, I don't know from the fan standpoint, though, whether the, the, the novelty hasn't worn off. Well yeah. said. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, and hopefully you will get back on the road. It's a kind of a shame with this variance and stuff that uh, you still have to be. It's got to be frustrating. Well, it is because I, I I don't think I or anybody else can can do our jobs well uh, when the team is in Ohio and we're in Minnesota. But that's you know we're we're willing to do it from the standpoint of that's the only way to do the games right now. And some of the radio crews are traveling. Uh, none of the TV crews are, uh, except in very rare instances where, uh, you know, the team is uh, playing at a location that's like driving distance. So uh, we'll hope to get there eventually. Yeah, I got to give you credit. I think you'd agree, Jack. I can't really tell the difference. That's how good you no, guys that's are. That's how good. Yeah, I that's mean, so pro, don't say that too loudly pro. now because uh, we, we well, I know. you know, our job is to tell the viewers what they can't see. And it's difficult to do that when they're seeing essentially the same thing we're seeing, you know, everybody. And I'm really proud of, of the, the people in my profession, uh, in all sports in hockey. I don't know how the hockey guys do it to be honest <laughs> oh, with you, yeah. with line changes and all that. I, I, I just, I can't imagine. And I've talked with Anthony LaPanta about that. I have, I'm not a good hockey announcer to begin with, but I don't know how in the world, uh, they can do that job. But I'm talking about all the sports, football, basketball, wherever you have to broadcast a game remotely. I'm proud to be part of a, a group of men and women who are able to do, you know, almost the impossible uh, in, in convincing viewers that we're actually on location. Yeah, it, it really says something about the telecasts that are going on and the radio broadcasts that are going on that we are blessed to in our, our area. I know we're inside of a minute, uh, Derek and Dick. But since we started with dodgeball, uh, Dick, other than ten, uh, Tony Galbraith, uh, what other uh, uh, if if dodgeball were an Olympic sport? Uh, okay, we're putting Galbraith on the on the U.S. team. <laughs> what other Major League Baseball players would you choose to have on your Olympic dodgeball? team if they were just major league baseball oh i probably like aaron judge john carlos stanton <laughs> yeah. uh, i don't care he's older uh, i'd take randy johnson you still I mean, take yeah. randy johnson yeah that whip yeah, like that long wingspan here. <laughs> chris, chris sale maybe sidearming it that would yeah. be a little bit tough uh now you got to be able to uh, catch to it too way, right you got to be able to catch it because that that gets dick Bra- bramer back in the floor Tory right? hunter for that thing yeah yeah. That, yeah that's right yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's so many, you know, big, strong athletes and, uh, um, you know, dodgeball, I don't think is ever going to be, uh, uh an Olympic sport, but it was one of the more amusing movies we had about it, yeah, it, it, just, years ago. <laughs> it might be, but it'll be on the Ocho, so. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It'll be on the Ocho. Yeah, I don't think you'd have, like, Fernando Valenzuela wouldn't be on that team, uh, you know. You'd pick his, some, he would have been good in the day. David Wells, maybe not making the, maybe, maybe would, I don't know. On the, uh, Dick, as always, it's great talking ball with you, with you in general. Thanks, Dick. Have a great call uh, tonight. We know you will. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Dick Bramer joining us today, talking Twins baseball every Tuesday uh, on the show. We come back. We said, what's it like when you haven't had a home game in almost two years? We'll find out what that scene is going to be Should like. Should we eat a couple quick texts? Oh, yes. deal? All right. Uh, let's see, we went, uh, ran back. We did dirty 40s, 40 yards of bear crawl, then sprint back 40 yards, run backwards 40 yards, then skip back 40 yards. We always went 42 yards because our rival Sisseton went 40. <laughs> they called it the dirty 40? Yeah, the dirty 40. The four dirty, quarters of that. Yeah. The dirty 40. Yeah, four quarters of that, so we ended up just doing four bear calls. Uh, a more at high, our coach, offensive line, fence girls, where you would stand straight up against the fence and your partner would uh, be two yards away, and on coach's command, you'd get you blow to the person against the fence. So is this MMA? Oh, oh my just, goodness. Uh, dance line practice, high kicks, ankle weights on. 
Ugh. Not fun. No. Uh, that You just described a hamstring injury for me, by the way. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just got a text in here from a fellow colleague. He said, what you described about the coach hitting balls against the fence, yeah, Coach Bushman called that the drill, uh, the pit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the text. Steve Schuster coming up next on 740 The Fan. Dan Barrero. One of the things we've tried to convince listeners of, you don't have to agree with every aspect of what any of our guests say. What we hope you get is something interesting and rich to bounce off of and hopefully incisive. Weekdays at 3 on 740 The Fan. Lower your... I can already hear a rumble from uh, off of uh, Portage in Maine in Winnipeg or, or Notre Dame, or I'm just going to start naming streets. I know Smith, uh, the one way going that way. You can already hear the rumblings tonight because it's almost been two years. That's a long time uh, since the Winnipeg Gold Eyes have played at Shaw Park in their home baseball stadium. I like that that fervor music right there, D. Steve Schuster, colleague, friend, voice of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, joining us today. We only have Steve for a couple of minutes. I'm sure he's scrambling to put rosters in because who knows who's going to be on the roster for Sioux City because there are some um, restrictions or guiding lines that, uh, that you have to abide by when you head into Winnipeg. But the bottom line, the narrative here, Steve, is congratulations, I guess. You're finally – did you even know this where to go to? You remember the town, right, Steve? You remember what it looks like, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for having me as always, Jack. And, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome pulling in. Uh, I mean, it's been three months since we left for spring training. Uh, team got here uh, kind of trickling in, um, you know, player by player. A lot of them had, had drove themselves. So uh, just awesome to be back in Winnipeg and to, to have the opportunity to at least get a few home games here down the stretch. And, I uh, just couldn't be happier for fans who, have, you know, like you said, it's been almost two years since they've had a chance to come out and enjoy a night at the ballpark and, uh, you know, cheer on the team, which they've done, you know, in, in droves here for so many years. And uh, really, really excited for our players, um, you know, all, all the guys, but especially guys like Nate Antone and Logan Hill that have been with us only since 2020, and, and they've never been here to, to Shaw Park before, and they're finally going to get to have that that opportunity so really excited for them and uh nice nice buzz in town i think nice buzz around the ballpark so excited for uh 635 tonight i, I don't I, I guess i'll ask you to jump into your crystal ball steve knowing that 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 uh, that, uh, that stadium there at shaw park and from dancing gabe to ron behind the pa mic to i'm sure andrew and the front office uh, staff over there to the fans that sit down below you what do you think the feeling is going to be tonight as you go to the park and you're setting up and you get into your your broadcast and look down below what do you think that is it going to be like an opening like the first time winnipeg's ever had baseball back going back a quarter <laughs> hours is it going to be like an opening day what do you think the feeling is going to be tonight you know, I think there's going to be a lot of emotions. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, I'm personally super excited just to get back into the home booth and, and just kind of take in all the sights and sounds that, that are, you know, go along with a Winnipeg Gold Eyes game. Yeah, I think there's going to be a sense of relief among everybody there that, you know, this is a huge step forward, I think, in hopefully getting back to some semblance of normalcy from before the pandemic. And, um, you know, there might be some wrong too. I mean, there's a lot of people in, in this town, you know, much the way it is in Fargo, where, um, you know, the Gold Eyes and the Red Ox, it's a big part of their lives and a big part of their, their summer and their, their, you know, summer, I guess, stay at home type vacation in Winnipeg. And um, they haven't had that for almost two years. So I uh, just really looking forward to seeing a lot of familiar faces. Uh, like you mentioned, people like Dan and Gabe and, and, and Ron Arnst, a great P announcer. So uh, 635 can't come soon enough. Derek, Derek, I'll tell you, it was Steve Schuster, voice of the uh, the Gold Eyes, with us today. I'm going to have Steve go over the last couple of years in, in like 50 seconds because Steve is good. He can do that. <laughs> but as you know, D, uh, they used the Red Hawk Stadium, Newman Outdoor Field, as yep. their home last year. And then this year we're using Jackson, Tennessee – uh, down there for that park. So again, they've been just kind of like wandering the land using these other parks and not being home. But listen to this. Yeah, that's a lot of bus travel for Winnipeg. And the good news, Steve, is is you never had one bus breakdown ever in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that might be a little bit of a, a little bit of a stress. They've had so many. They, on top of everything, Steve, the issues. There's been some of those things, and this happens in the league. But that's what I think about. Forget the fact that you've been on the road for two years, uh, waiting to get back home. 
you've had weird nights that you didn't know if you're going to make it to the next destination because you're on the side of the road, and <laughs> it, it, it's just you got to Steve. When it, it's not a pamphlet anymore, when's the book going to come out? By the way, Steve, after yeah. the last two years. You know, I, Jack, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it, it, it hasn't been a grind for for everybody involved the last uh, the last couple of seasons. But uh, you know, I think it makes us all that much more grateful that you know we, we've had the opportunity once to play through the pandemic. Uh, you know, we very easily could have been one of the teams that didn't play last year. But uh, also grateful just to finally be able to get home here tonight because, uh, as you mentioned, there, there, there's been a lot more than just playing on the road, which is kind of a challenge in itself that's uh, made things uh, kind of difficult for the team. Yeah, and on top of that, on a very sad note, obviously right before the 2020 season, the pandemic, uh, Rick Forney, who there's a lot of uh, Fargo-Moorhead, West Fargo folks and Red Hawks fans respect dearly, you know, the, the tragic losing a son at the prime of his life, a great football player and student athlete for, for Navy, losing his son, uh, you know, unexpectedly. You know, we talk about all of the emotions that Winnipeg has had to go through, that being a massive one that rains heavy on your heart. So when you hear in Steve's voice the emotion that he has, understand there are about 200 elements going in at least uh, to tonight. The other part, Steve, before we let you go, as far as the rosters, I know that there are some guidelines that any team crossing the border ha- has to go through with respects to vaccinations and, and other mm, protocols, correct, Steve? Yeah, you know that, that was part of the agreement for, for allowing us to, to be able to uh, host games at, at full capacity and also allow you know, both the gold eyes and the opposition to kind of cross back and forth over the border. Uh, so all the players and coaches that are going to be in attendance um, at the Gold Eyes games, they're going to have to be fully vaccinated. Uh, I know that's kind of forced the Gold Eyes to make some uh, some key adjustments to the rosters, which you can kind of figure out based on the recent transactions. And I think most teams are in the same boat where they you know, maybe got three or four that have been on the fence or maybe just at this point in time, uh, you know, have chosen not to get the vaccine, which is, you know, perfectly fine. It's a personal choice. You know, we're not going to hold that against anyone. But uh, I guess for whatever reason, that number was a little bit lower for, for the explorers. So they've had to scramble a little bit more, and it's uh, there's going to be a lot of different players that uh, uh, maybe haven't played for the Explorers that are going to be coming up to Winnipeg for the series this week. I apologize if Jack already asked this, but I mean, is is there uh, is there capacity? What's the situation? Or I mean, because I, 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 I think for Winnipeg, when I think about Winnipeg as a sports town, obviously I think uh, everyone's just rabid about the Jets and the the Blue Bombers have been the Blue Bombers, unfortunately, with what's been going on in the CFL, but. You know, Winnipeg, even though it's an independent minor league, it's it's a big fabric of really summertime fun there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, and and yeah, so so with uh, both uh, the Gold Eyes and, and the Bombers, you mentioned uh, they they were granted uh, full capacity uh, oh, wow. as long as everyone buying a ticket and coming in is, is fully vaccinated. So, um, yeah, I forget what the the number is, but I think we're around maybe sixty five percent of the, the total population in Manitoba uh, has already had their second dose, which is great. And, um, you know, hopefully, I don't know how many will show up tonight. I think, you know, if we can get to, to 4,000, um, I think we'll, we'd be thrilled. Um, but, we'll, you know, over the course of the, the remainder of the season, uh, we could have up to a sellout that, uh, um, you know, if everyone's able to come out. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, and, and having home games, obviously it, it stops the leakage. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. There's, there's a revenue aspect oh, yeah. uh, of having a team, and, and it stops. I use the word leakage there, but when, when nothing's coming in, you know, this, it's, it's pretty vital that you, you pump blood uh, back into that, that body that is the gold eyes and let that heart start beating again, and part of that is having games at your home park. So that's pretty good. Uh, next week, pierogies for everybody. Tell Sam Cates that pierogies. <laughs> For everybody, I'm just kidding. Steve, uh, we're excited for you. I, I know that the fans are, are, are going to be thoroughly uh, locked in, tuning in, and and uh, hope for the best. And it's a, it's a return to somewhat of a normalcy for our Canadian friends up there. So, Steve, thanks for taking time. I know it's a busy day. Go study those brand-new names that you're going to have to learn <laughs> before tonight's game. Thank you, Steve, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, you bet. Thank you, guys. Take care. You bet. Steve Schuster, voice of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, joining us today from Manitoba as they get set to play uh, Sioux City tonight in baseball. Derek, I, I understand there's probably going to be a number of Sioux City, uh, not their roster, a number of guys that, that are going to be on that club tonight. So this will not look like the team that the Red Hawks will play this weekend in Sioux City uh, you know, Michael Lang is, is a part of that. He lives in Fargo. Mike's a long time. I think he'll be playing tonight. But other than that, I'm not so sure how many other 
guys that are on Susie's roster will be in I guess we'll have to wait and see till the box score comes out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, I, I guess the question I have is, what's the end game of that going into the 2022 season? You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, Josh Schaub. How, is how really long good... are we going to keep the the vaccination cards? You know what I mean? Because yeah. one thing, the it's Ameri- an interesting thing. It, it it really is perplexing, Derek. The one thing the American Association I really commend them on is is really trying to grasp the best way through. Certainly, the pandemic and various because well, you got to deal with local governments. And, that's right? right. You know yeah. they've they've really done a nice job. Josh Schaub and Josh Buckholz, the deputy commissioner of the of the league, you know, along with the owners and GMs, have have tried to figure a way through all of this because you know Winnipeg opening great, but then there's the question of okay, now what? You know, now now how yeah. does this work? Right. And if if no one you know someone chooses, Steve said. You know, for whatever reasons, haven't hasn't had the vaccination, whether it be medical or religious or what have you, uh, not had it. You know, okay, well, you can't come across and play, but you're, there's no, you know, you don't want to totally penalize the team. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a little bit of a six of one, half a dozen of the other. Derek. Well, I th- and I think the question really comes down to because data is out there so fast and furious, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what you can look at is what. I think this is something you and I have asked for a long time. What is the end game What's here? The end game? With is it some zero? I mean, because if that's the case, we're going to be doing this for a while. Yeah, um, and you know, if when it comes to sports, I think most, and you'll agree with this. I think, I think many intentions are in the probably in the right right frame of mind. Like the intentions are always seem to be pretty good. Health and safety of players. Nobody could argue with. Health and safety of players. Well, I right? agree. I, I agree with Doctor Phil. A lot of it's CYA, right? <laughs> That's right. Jay, cover you. And then there's that part, the CYA. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think that I think the trouble that you and I have with a lot of it is, as we talk about changes and what we know and all that, it's okay to change the protocols with what the government officials are giving you. That's new, right? That's new, right? The, the and I feel, I feel like they think they want to change it because they want to punish the people who they deemed it done the right thing you know, you know what i mean so right. it's hard because it, it's it, it becomes can very confusing and and, and i think it's the as dr nagpal said on uh, when i was on with him and joel from sanford it's the pandemic of confusion because it is it is it's almost a phil collins song with the land of confusion <laughs> yes that's a good derek i'm gonna go run a dirty 40 uh, oh <laughs> great text at 35270 common next hawks tonight right here on the fan whether you're at Newman Outdoor Field, on the road, or at home, catch Red Hawks baseball all season long on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM.